Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we continue our sermon series, Talking in the Dark. Prayer is like magic, right? If we pray the right way or have enough faith, God is obligated to say yes? So what is the right way to pray? Join us for the message, The Human Problem. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. You know, prayer is like magic, right? You know, if we just say our prayer the exact right way, it kind of obligates God to give us what we want, right? I wish it worked that way. We'll be talking about that just a little bit later then in our program as part of our new sermon series, Talking in the Dark praying when life doesn't make sense. Listen now for the words of our Lord. And wherever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the corners so that may be seen by the others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty praises as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard because of the many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those, our debtors, and do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespassers, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Ask, and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your child, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Whenever I sing uh, America the Beautiful, my mind is taken back to the night of uh, September 11th, 2001, at the church we were going to at that time, they had a worship service that night. We sang that song. 
So to this day, I guess I always will, I always get very teary-eyed with that line of thine alabaster cities gleam undimmed by human tears, because we had a lot of tears that night. So just sharing that um, as we have, we're here on our July 4th weekend. You know, I tore my rotator cuff in my shoulder by walking across the room. This happened several years ago. It was the first night of a new workshop. My co-facilitator and I had decided that I would take the lead that night in our presentation while he greeted people as they arrived and, and got them signed in. I was back in the corner preparing for uh, the first session. But then my co-facilitator, he got a phone call that he had to take, and I noticed several people walked in. They looked confused. They didn't know quite what to do. So I decided I would get up. I would greet them, help them get um, signed in. So as I walked across the room, I was in the back corner, and we had a circle of chairs. And so I decided just to cut through the circle of chairs, which normally would not be a difficult thing to do. I got, on, I, I got through one side really fine. When I got to the far side, somehow my legs got caught up in the legs of the chair completely took my legs out from under me, and my entire body weight fell on my left shoulder. It was like the bottom half of me stopped while the top half of me just kept going forward. Well, despite being in a church, I let out an expletive. <laughs> I know, it's shocking. Uh, but I let out that expletive because I knew immediately that I had seriously injured myself because I hadn't felt pain like that since I had completely torn the ACL in my knee while playing racquetball back in college. Well, I toughed it out. I made the presentation. I finished the workshop session. Then I went home and I called my brother-in-law, the orthopedic surgeon. Uh, I spent a very painful night until I could get in to see him the next morning and get some serious pain medication. I had surgery a few weeks later, followed by weeks of physical therapy, which is always so much fun. <laughs> Moreover, this happened at a time when I was actually already feeling depressed. I, I told the story. Some, uh, first of all, several of you uh, made it to the rally uh, last week at Lakewood uh, UMC uh, last Sunday uh, evening, and others of you watched it online, which I was very grateful for. It was, it was, a, it was a great event, and they hope to do it every year now. But I told the story last Sunday evening uh, about when I was still a layperson before I became a pastor that I had applied for a staff job at my home church where um, a group of people had then organized to prevent me from becoming hired because I was gay. So that was why I was feeling depressed. But this also happened at a time when a feral mother cat had given birth to kittens in my sister's backyard. A little litter of just two little male kittens who came to eventually to come live at my house. It was then that I discovered that no matter how depressed you feel, no matter how much pain you are in, it is impossible to feel despair while watching kittens play. The cuteness quotient is just so off the charts that you just can't do anything but just watch and smile and, and laugh. Part of what makes it so adorable is that young cats are just so uncoordinated. They fall off the furniture, they run into each other head first, 
They try to stop way too quickly and they'll end up taking several somersaults before their momentum actually wears out. I think it's actually amazing that they don't do massive head trauma to themselves on a daily basis. But you know how it is with kittens or puppies, they just get right back up and they start at it again. Well, I think it's the same way sometimes when toddlers are learning to walk. They fall endlessly as they take their first steps. They bump their heads on countless table edges. It's been said that it's a miracle that anyone makes it to the age of three. If we did those same things to our bodies today, we would be in physical therapy all the time. Yet again, that cuteness quotient is just right off the charts. So we adults continue to cheer them on as they learn to walk. And no matter how many times they fall, we're right there to pick them up, dust them off, and have them try again. And I think in the background, God is also there applauding every effort that those young children take on those first teetering steps. This godly encouragement continues throughout our entire lives. It starts when we take that, that first gulp of air into our lungs at our birth, and it never ends until we take our last dying breath. And I think just as a parent crouches down with open arms, ready to receive the child learning to walk, so too does God cheer us on, even as we make our faltering attempts to pray and to seek communion with God. I always imagine in my head that every time we fail, God is just there ready to pick us back up again, saying, come on, I know you can do it. I'm here to catch you if you fall. I think God delights in our attempts at prayer, no matter how feeble they may be. Well, last week we started a sermon series on prayer, Talking in the Dark. And we acknowledged that, that prayer isn't always easy. Sometimes it feels as if God doesn't even hear, much less answer our prayers. We see our loved ones suffer before our eyes, and there's nothing we can do to ease their pain. Our questions of why seem to float up to a faceless God, a faceless God, invisible God that we wrestle with, who's shrouded in mystery. And so we talked last week about how sometimes our biggest problem with prayer is God. But sometimes prayer can feel like we're talking in the dark, but the sound of prayer can travel in both darkness and in light. And while we don't always experience what we do, uh, so we don't always know why we experience what we do, we are graced by the presence of God who heals us in mind and spirit, if not always in body, and comforts us as we, strengthened, as we are strengthened for the journey. Last night, last night, yes, I did read this last night, but what I meant to say is last week, we read this in our worship service, this very famous verse from Romans. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. If you're familiar with um, Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible, which is called The Message, it's, it's a wonderful translation. It's kind of a, it, it, he's translated it from the original languages, but then he paraphrased it in what I think is sometimes some very poetic English. And he paraphrases this verse this way. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting... God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. 
If one of the problems we have with prayer is the nature of God, then the other problem we have with the nature with prayer is the nature of ourselves. It comes then the human problem. You see, we Christians, we both oversell and undersell prayer. We can present prayer almost as this alchemy that we use just to get what we want, while at the same time remaining blind to the real, true power of prayer. In the book, Talking in the Dark, it tells the story of a young boy who battled with leukemia for years. Many people prayed for him. He was anointed by his congregation with oil, but eventually he succumbed to the disease and died. And at the funeral, a woman approached the boy's mother and said, you know, it's just so unfortunate. If you'd had more faith, your son wouldn't have died. Well, even if this woman really believed this, I can't imagine someone being so callous as to say this to a grieving parent at a funeral. It's not only very, very bad theology, it's just plain cruel. But unfortunately, this is the way many people approach prayer, as if it's like some sort of magic. If we just prayed harder or better, or we just said the right words, or we had more people praying, then event X either would or would not have happened. If we can just figure out the proper way to pray, then God will be obligated to fulfill our request. Prayer then becomes this formula to get our desired results, a kind of spiritual mathematics. And so our interaction with God becomes more of a transaction than it is a relationship. I've shared this story with you in a sermon before, but I I, I think it bears repeating uh, as we talk about prayer. When she was in her 20s, my friend Barbara was diagnosed with cancer that first threatened her life and then left her unable to ever have children. In his fear and anguish, her father one day came into her hospital room and said that they needed to figure out what sin that Barbara had committed so that they could pray and and she could repent and God would cure her cancer. Well, even though she realized that her father's words were motivated by his deep love for her, she knew that she could never return to her family's congregation or accept that view of faith. So when she got better, she went on a, for a year, she went on this spiritual odyssey, this spiritual quest to find the right church for her. And so for that year, she visited countless churches from every kind of denomination you can think of, Baptist and Church of Christ and Assembly of God and non-denominational Pentecostal Methodist Lutheran, Disciples of Christ, Seventh-day Adventist, you name it, she went to that church. She finally found a home in a Presbyterian church that emphasized social justice. You see, after facing down cancer, Barbara knew that prayer was just not a business transaction with God, but instead it's a way to hold on to God for dear life and to experience the deep peace of God's presence that can come sometimes when life is just exploding around you. You know, Paul talked about that. It's called the peace that passes all understanding. And she also knew that at a church that was mainly about serving others, it would help her to not concentrate or be so obsessed with what was happening with herself. To say that prayer is not magic, however, doesn't mean that different prayer forms and methods don't matter. Prayer is a human activity, and like any activity, A person can get better with practice and better able to participate in perhaps some more sophisticated approaches to prayer. 
But we get better at prayer not as a way to better manipulate God into doing what we want. We become better at prayer as a way to become closer to God and to grow in our spiritual maturity. Because ultimately the purpose of prayer isn't to manipulate God. It's to experience communion and fellowship with God. Because prayer changes us. As we become better prayers, then we begin to conform to the mind that was in Christ. And our desires start to more closely align with the will of God. In other words, prayer becomes less about getting what we desire and more about our desires conforming to God's will. We learn to want the things that God wants. As Connie read earlier, ask and it will be given you, search and you will find, knock and the door will be open for you. As we grow to have the mind of Christ, however, the things that we ask for and the things we search for will change and they will begin to align more closely with the will of God. Now, there are some people I think have a real special gift for prayer. They have this ability to pray very well for others and for self, both private and publicly. And I think it's a spiritual gift. I have a friend who has this gift. And when she lays her hands on you and prays over you, I, I swear, you can feel the Holy Spirit just come over you. I think it's a, it's a remarkable gift. But don't necessarily believe the TV evangelists or the proponents of prosperity gospel who will tell you if you send them a donation, they'll say a special prayer for you. True prayer is always a gift that's freely given. Well, besides treating prayer as if it were magic, we also use it kind of as a form of prevention or a protection from harm. We approach prayer as if it were possible to cocoon people we care about in this protective bubble of prayer, kind of a spiritual bubble wrap. Now, don't get me wrong. I think praying for protection is a legitimate and a valid use of prayer as long as we realize it's not a guarantee. The author of the book tells the story of a family whose son was killed in combat the day before he was to be shipped home. Now, do you think that family just got lazy in their prayer life as the time for their son's return got closer? Did they allow this bubble of protection to weaken to the point of bursting? The truth is, is that we live in an imperfect and a fallen world. Everyone suffers and dies, and no amount of prayer is going to change that fact. No one gets out of this world alive. Prayer cannot prevent all tragedy, but I think it is prayer that gets us through tragedy. And it is prayer that gives tragedy meaning and that offers a way to learn and grow in faith and communion with God. We must also appreciate the fact that God receives prayers from people that have that ask for conflicting things all the time. Soldiers on both sides of the battlefield are praying to the same God. And one of the best lessons in prayer I ever received was in my mother's Sunday school class when I was four years old. Some of the best theology I ever learned was in my mother's Sunday school class when I was four years old. And I remember her telling the story of a boy who prayed that there would be no rain for his birthday party on Saturday. But come Saturday, it rained and rained and the boy cried and was very upset. But he later found out that the local farmers had been praying for rain and that they were offering praises to God for answering their prayers. And so that boy realized that this world is 
is much bigger than our personal concerns and, and there are greater goods to be sought than having a rain-free birthday party. Well, I think one last problem that we humans bring to, fe- bring to prayer is our artificiality. We think being a good Christian sometimes means just putting on a happy face. And if we're not always happy and smiling, then somehow we're being bad witnesses for Christ. We often can't even admit to ourselves that sometimes our Christian life isn't all sweetness and light. When we put on the happy face, our prayers become superficial. And I think when our prayers become superficial, then they become ineffectual. Instead of drawing us closer to God, superficial prayers create distance between ourselves and God. And I think superficial prayer is actually a form of resistance against God. You see, if we only let God get into the top layers of our psyche, then we're going to prevent God from working at the deepest levels of our personality. And when we don't allow God into the deepest levels of our personality, then God is not going to be there to transform our deepest pain. So I think superficial prayer is really a denial of God's grace. As we talked about last week, for our prayer to be authentic, we need to break through whatever keeps us from being totally honest with God. As Connie also read, when you're praying, do not heap up empty praises as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. God already knows everything about you. Every thought that flits through your brain, every feeling that arises in your heart, So you might as well be honest about about it because you're not fooling anyone, much less God. And until we can reach that level of honesty, our prayers are going to be hindered and they're going to be powerless. When we're honest about our struggles, I think we actually make ourselves better witnesses for Christ than if we just always put on the happy face all the time. You see, when when we share our struggles, we become more authentic, and I think that actually draws people in. And if other Christians see that we sometimes struggle, then they won't get so discouraged by their own struggles. And this lack of artificiality and superficiality then serves to build up the body of Christ. And it brings us all closer to God and it brings us all closer to each other. For many years, uh, Bill Bright, he was the founder and then he was the director of the Campus Crusade for Christ, which many of you have heard of. It's an evangelical Christian ministry to colleges and universities. Now, to be honest, I I have actually quite a few problems with the theology and tactics of the Campus Crusade for Christ, or is now called just crew. But I still think Bill's story is an example of grace in the face of unrelenting hopelessness. You see, Bill was diagnosed with pulmonary fibrosis and became very ill. And literally hundreds of thousands of people around the world were praying for Bill Bright. Nevertheless, the disease progressed and and he eventually died. And it wasn't until after his death that his wife found the manuscript of the book that he had been writing. It was a book about how to face a relentless and painful disease and how to face it as a Christian. And in the book, he was brutally honest about his anger and his fear and his sorrow And as a result, this book touched many lives with his ultimate message of hope. And he helped a lot more people than he would have helped if he just maintained the brave face. 
I often think that when we pray at the deepest level, we do pray with sighs too deep for words, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. Prayer is not magic and it's not a formula, but it can be medicine for our souls. It's spiritual oxygen. It's both the wordless sigh and it's that life-giving breath. So even when our prayers can seem to us so feeble, remember that God, like any good parent, delights in our attempts. Come on, you can do it. And when you fall, I'll be right here to catch you. Amen. Now, the confidence that we have then as children of God, let us pray the prayer that our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now receive this benediction. As you have been fed at this table, go and feed the hungry. As you have been set free, go to set free the oppressed. As you have received, give. As you have heard, proclaim. And the blessing that you have received from the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. We hope you enjoyed and were blessed by today's service. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next Sunday, we'll continue our sermon series, Talking in the Dark. You'll always find audio recordings of all our services on our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. Remember that we're now worshiping both in person in our sanctuary as well as online. God bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church. Thank you.